0: welcome to Best Laid Plans. This is Sarah Hart Unger, and this is the podcast where we talk all things planning and planning adjacent. I have a February Q&A episode for you. I have been collecting your questions and tips, and today we are going to go through several of them. But we're going to start with a planner piece segment that I call multi-pronged planner piece, and that comes from a listener named Emily. I'm going to share each of the pieces of her system In her voice, I would have loved this one as a voice recording, so keep those coming as well, but I will go ahead and read about her system because it's a wonderful hybrid and digital paper system that has been working for her for quite some time, and I think you'll find it interesting. So here we go. Calendar. I live and die by my Google Calendar. I use Reclaim, reclaim reclaim.ai, to have all of my calendars talk to each other. So when I look at my calendars, I know that I've got the full picture. I use Fantastical, both on my Mac and iPhone, to manage my many calendars, personal, work, shared, etc. Tasks. I've been a loyal Todoist user since at least 2017, if not longer. Whenever a task pops into my head, I dump it into my Todoist inbox and I clear it out a couple times per week, assigning things to dates and projects as needed. I think Todoist is best used in solo mode, so while I have a couple of shared projects, for the most part, it's just me. Tasks can be things to add to the grocery list. We use a pen and paper list for that in the kitchen or major projects. I use CarPlay to add tasks that pop into my head while driving to the inbox, and it works really well. I mostly use the Today view in Todoist, so I'm pretty rigorous about assigning things to specific dates that I plan to do them. Daily planning. This is the first year I'm using a Laurel Denise planner, but I'm totally digging the view. It's very wide, but it's working for my L-shaped desk. In the monthly view, I put all of the highlight and big picture things, including kid appointments. Then I write my top three tasks for the day, usually pulled by glancing from the day into Todoist, and all of my meetings for the day. Even though the digital calendar is the source of truth, this gives me a place at a glance to see what I need while working without navigating around apps on my computer. Family planning. We keep an Ashley Shelley monthly calendar on our fridge, mostly for big picture and high-level family stuff like kid appointments and the like. It's very repetitive to the monthly in my Laurel Denise, but I don't mind it. And finally, note-taking. I take notes in a Leuchtturm 1917 dot grid notebook. I just take notes and go to the next page. I try to date the pages, and then if I want to find my notes from that phone call on October 12th, I just have to go to the right date. Emily, that is multi-pronged, it is comprehensive, and it sounds like a wonderful system. I love that you shared it. I love the hybrid digital, and I am going to have to look into Reclaim, as I do know what you mean about having multiple digital calendars. My iPhone seems to do a good job of pulling everything in, showing it in iCal, but maybe Reclaim is able to combine different Google calendars into one view or from other sources as well. So thank you so much for sharing. This was a wonderful submission and to everyone else, keep the planner pieces coming and feel free to send them either in words or in your own voice via a voice memo so that you can describe your system yourself. All right, we're going to get into the questions. The first one is around passwords and it comes from Chris. She writes, I have a question about planning. I've been using the EC Daily Duo since July of last year and I love it. I currently have a bunch of sticky notes on my desk with information I need from time to time, like passwords, financial information, usernames for people in my organizations, book lists, etc. I can see this information being in a notebook I just keep at home, but we have another place we frequently go to on weekends. I'm wondering if there's a place in the Daily Duo where I could keep these things. I do have my goals or resolutions for the year at the beginning of January on a note page. I would love to get more organized about that information. As I'm writing, I'm thinking online might be great, but obviously some of it needs to be secure. Thanks in advance. Okay, so I love the idea of putting it in your Daily Duo if that's something you carry around so it's easily referenceable. But Daily Duo only lasts six months. It's a six-month notebook, so that means you'd have to either rewrite them or cut the page out and tape it in somewhere else once that planner is done with. I will admit I have actually done that latter approach. I had a page that's moved from Hobonichi to Hobonichi many, many times with washi tape. And if you use washi carefully, it's kind of amazing how long a page like that will last. There are also larger sticky notes that you could move in and out from planner to planner. So that's another kind of low tech solution. You also, of course, could use something like Notion or Apple Notes for some of this core information if you don't mind going to a digital source. I will say be careful with passwords. You just never know with these you know, apps if there's any way if someone could hack them and then see your passwords. So if you're going to keep passwords in an app of sorts, you might want to think about coding them in some way that is very specific to you. I'm sure there are tips you can find online with how to do that, but... For example, like let's say you've had three pets with different names, but nobody knows what those names are. And then you could have like a password that's like pet one, pet three, I don't know. Like (laughs) I'm just thinking of different ways you could code it, but I wouldn't necessarily put your password straight into any app without some kind of coding. Of course, there are also apps you can use to collect all of your passwords. But some of those have had issues recently. And I've always wondered about, well, what if the password app gets hacked? Then they have everything. So I don't know. I'm paranoid about that as well. There's no easy answer. But I do think doing it on paper and having it in code is pretty darn safe. Because even if your notebook were to get stolen, they probably are not going to know you well enough to crack your code. So that's kind of been my mechanism. All right, next question comes from Jennifer. She writes, I love your podcast and have been listening for over a year now. I'm also a physician and I'm faculty at a residency program. And I recently found out that I'm pregnant with my first child, which has brought a mix of fear and excitement, as you can imagine. I'm nearing the end of my first trimester, so I'm hoping the fatigue will get better and I'll start to feel like myself again soon. I have barely filled out my planner for the past month, which is not like me at all. I was wondering if you could provide some insight into planning for pregnancy. I was looking ahead to my calendar where I had previously planned CME meetings and trips, and now I've had to erase a lot of that because of my due date. But now I just have this blank space and feel like I don't know how to fill it or what to plan for. Planning has always helped me feel more in control, and now I don't know how to plan for this life changing event, so I'm doing nothing, which makes me feel even more nervous. When do I plan things like my baby shower, focusing on getting the nursery together, making a registry, etc.? What kind of financial planning do I need to be working on? Any help you can provide will be greatly appreciated. So I debated actually doing an entire episode on this and I wouldn't be against that. I was just worried that, you know, that's going to appeal to a certain segment and not others. So I figured I would start to answer it in a question and I welcome tips for others for Jennifer as well. But I think it is a wonderful topic. First of all, I just have to commiserate. First trimester is terrible, and I probably left a lot of planner pages blank during that time as well. When you feel absolutely awful every day, a survival mode and certainly filling out an elaborate planner probably isn't necessarily high on everyone's list. So I fully understand that. I do think this might be a time when you have to plan in shorter ranges. Kind of how I leaned in during the pandemic to really specific daily planning, like you're planning a morning or you're planning a day rather than planning long term, just because you don't know how you're going to feel and your brain might have trouble wrapping around the future just because things are so nebulous out there. So I would be kind to yourself. I would make your planning functional and minimal, and I would probably zoom in in terms of like planning short term and then thinking about maybe some lists about what you might want to get done for each part of your pregnancy, like maybe a small list of things that you'd like to get done in your second trimester and then a small list of things you'd like to do in your third trimester. And then as you're feeling better and those times get closer, you can get more specific about when you want to do that rather than like planning ahead for six months from now is exactly when you're going to set up your nursery, et cetera. The next thing you did mention like apps. I don't know if I read that part of the question, but like things you need to do to track the baby once they're born. There is no right answer here. I used a super old app because I am getting old. Well, no, my oldest is almost 11. So this was what was available on probably like my iPhone 4 in 2012, but it was called Baby Connect and it was very bare bones. And you know what? It was fine. So if that worked for me, I'm sure almost any moderate app today will work for you. Anything that makes you feel better and isn't complicated to use. And as my husband likes to point out, like, how did babies survive before we had apps to track their feedings and sleep? I mean, first of all, you could always track those things on a post-it note or legal pad, or you could um, just kind of holistically not track them because most babies, of course, there are medical exceptions are going to wake up and eat when they need to. Now, of course, if your baby is not gaining weight well, or you've been told otherwise to track and to wake up at specific time intervals, you should absolutely do that. But after, you know, having three kids, at least my experience has been that honestly, that tracking was much more for me and my own sanity than it was for the baby. So do what comforts you. There's no way really to do it wrong. Finally, the registry and nursery i feel like as i mentioned i would just kind of set an a, like a loose goal of like when you might want to focus on those things based on how you feel but i feel like people tend to spend a lot of time worrying about those types of things and not enough time worrying about something else that you mentioned the financial impact of having a baby planning for that as well as figuring out exactly what you want to do for childcare i mean i feel like the amount of i don't know websites or like social media Places where people are like doing this detailed tour of the nursery, including every piece of artwork. And then you're like, but what are they doing? Like, who's taking care of the kid? And they haven't identified anybody yet. Like, I I feel like there's a little, I don't know, maybe it's sort of a sub sublimation type piece because you don't want to think about the practical aspects and it's more fun to dream about The beautiful and pretty parts. But I would say this is a time to lean into the practical because you are about to have a major change in lifestyle and figuring out how your family's budget is going to look, figuring out exactly what you want your, not exactly, but ideas with your partner about how you want your routines to look, how you're going to share different parts of the load, and what you are going to want for your childcare situation. These are the big rocks and everything else is going to fall into place around it. If you want permission to not have a beautiful nursery for any of your children, I will tell you that I did not have a beautiful nursery. I mean, I guess they had a place to sleep. They had a crib. There was a dresser. Not much else. And they're all fine. So you have all of my permission not to do a deep dive into the decor piece. Your babies probably won't notice. And then finally, the last thing you want to pay attention to is the pumping piece if you're planning on doing that. Again, I think probably more energy should go into that than your your decor because you're not going to want to figure out all the parts and make sure you have duplicates and get a bag for it and stuff. Once you already have a baby to contend with, it's so much easier to set all of that up and do all of that research before there is a baby in the picture. So I think that is one piece that it's probably worth spending some time on. And it might be helpful to set up like a one-page document. Maybe it's Apple Notes. Maybe it's just a piece of paper with the months written out, and maybe some loose goals of when you want to get different things done. Again, giving yourself grace because you might not feel like it. And if you don't feel well, then many of the optional things can be put by the wayside. But drawing out a little simple timeline might put your mind at ease since I'm sensing some anxiety there. And there is a lot of change coming. And to some extent, you can prepare for it. Again, the child pair piece, the financial piece, very, very important. Other things, no matter how much time you spend ruminating, it's not going to do that much to to change things once the baby's here. So you might as well relax and enjoy your pre-baby time. All right, we're going to take a quick ad break and I will be right back. You are in for a treat because support for today's episode comes in part from Jenny Kane. I love Jenny Kane and I hope you love shopping there to support the show. When you do, visit JennyKane.com and use code PLANS for 15% off your first order. Mother's Day is just around the corner, and this is the perfect gift to treat all the well-deserving moms, moms moms-to-be, and mother figures in your life. Jenny Kane is a California brand through and through, and their staples make getting dressed easier than it's ever been before. Think minimalist and effortless, yet totally refined. This season, I am so into the beautiful dresses that Jenny Kane has on offer. My personal pick, and what I'm hoping to wear all season, is the dress. I have it in the khaki color and feel like I could literally wear it to anything. And the best part is it's perfect for warm weather, which we have plenty of, but you could also layer it in a chilly, air-conditioned space. I also have my eye on the day dress. It's such a classic silhouette. One thing you might not know about Jenny Kane is that they also have an incredible rewards program where you can earn up to 10% back with every purchase, and joining is completely free. Find your perfect Mother's Day gift or curate your new spring uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code PLANS, P-L-A-N-S, at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code PLANS. Get yourself and the women in your life the best gift of all, Jenny Kane. Today's episode is sponsored in part by Factor. Factor is sponsoring this episode with an awesome discount code, PLANS50, to give you 50% off your first month and 20% off the next. Trying out our sponsors helps keep the show going, and I think this is a wonderful time to give it a try, given that it's always a busy season. Factor offers no prep and no mess meals that are tailored to your wellness goals. They offer multiple options from protein plus to plant-based to keto and many more. No matter what your health goals are, you can keep kitchen time to a minimum while enjoying healthy and delicious meals with premium ingredients with Factor. You can get started feeling great and fueling well now by giving them a try. Head to factormeals.com plans50 and use code plans50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code plans50, P-L-A-N-S 50 at factormeals.com plans50 to get 50% off your first box Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, I am back. I have another question and this one uh, says hello from a fi- fellow Myers-Briggs SFJ. So for those who don't know, the Myers-Briggs is that framework that's introvert, extrovert, sensing. I don't even know. I can't. I can't do it off the top of my head. But I know that every time I've taken it, I'm an ESFJ. And this person identifies as an ISFJ. And maybe someday I'll do a listener polls and figure out exactly which Myers-Briggs types enjoy listening to best laid plans. So if you want to let me know in the comments, please let me know. But this one comes from an ISFJ. And she writes, I am a domestic engineer, aka stay at home mom with a small graphic design business on the side. Two of my kids are finally in school full-time, and while my third goes to preschool part-time, I've often marveled at your nested goals approach and would really like to give it a try this year, but I'm feeling totally overwhelmed as to how to get started. I got a weekly, undated hemlock and oak, which I plan to use for scheduling all the minutiae of the week with the kids and personal appointments, plus any work meetings that might come up. I plan to use the monthly calendar to write goals for the month down and use the planned goals for the week. I've been using Todoist for the -the on-the-fly notes and ideas, including a yearly goals project for all of my big ideas. This is new to me this year. I use the inbox feature for everything that needs to be sorted and dated. I'm noticing this yearly goals list is becoming very long and it's already overwhelming me. I have a tendency to make lists and then feel totally overwhelmed by all of the things I need to do or want to do, and then the things that really need to get done get lost and forgotten in all of the overwhelm, and by the end of the year, I don't feel like I've accomplished everything I needed to do. Can you give me some tips on how a newbie might ease into your planning system? Oh, I love this question because, well, you're in a busy period, but you're maybe about to have a little bit more bandwidth. So it's kind of exciting that you're trying to lean into your goals and get a little bit more detailed with your planning, because I do think this might be a great time to do that for you. I think you're right on to something there. I have noted that a lot of people make these lofty yearly goals lists and then kind of forget about them or don't do the things they really wanted to do on them. And I think that problem is twofold. Number one, most people don't have any system for looking at their annual list. And number two, often the list is too long and haphazard and confusing. And so I have two things to say. Number one is that I actually think you should look at your annual list less often and instead use it to choose quintile goals on a scheduled basis because We really underestimate what we can do in longer periods and overestimate what we can do in shorter. And I think you're probably better off taking one look at that annual list, let's say in January, and deciding on a realistic number of things to do during the quintile, which will create a far less overwhelming list for you to look to and refer to. And not looking at that annual list all the time. If you come up with things that you want to add to that annual list, fine, throw them on there, but it shouldn't be stressing you out because you're not looking to it. You're not using that to pull from. You're going to pull from smaller lists. So I think this is where nested goals can really save you in terms of feeling less overwhelmed because you're not looking at all of your tasks at once. The other thing is your list might be really, really long, and maybe that's partly what's overwhelming you. So it might make sense to audit that list. And take some of the goals off of the annual list and turn them into a someday maybe if the list is truly overwhelmingly too long for a one-year timeframe. I do feel like probably your life is going to open up more, but if you've kind of dumped everything that you ever wanted to do on that list thinking, oh, now my life has begun, then yeah, it's probably a little bit long and you're gonna wanna decide what actually belongs on it and what could belong into a someday maybe list to be referred to when you're creating future lists perhaps, but not actually part of your annual list of things you intend, to do during the year 2023. I hope this helps and definitely don't feel intimidated. I think you've made a great choice with the systems you've put together and probably just need a little bit of tweaking on how you are viewing that annual list. Next, I have a little bit of a pro tip segment. I had a couple of pro tips come in and I thought I would share them in a little segment here. Pro tip number one comes from Autumn and she writes, I'm a big fan of both your podcast and a total planner and productivity nerd, and I have a tip for your listeners who, like me, can't stand empty pages in their planners. I'm currently using a Cultivate What Matters daily planner, and I follow Cal Newport's time block planning method for Monday through Friday, but I don't do it on the weekends. That leaves a blank page in my planner, which I don't love. I recently started implementing Laura Vanderkam's Tranquility by Tuesday tips, and I decided to use my weekend planner page to record my weekly big and little adventure. I make a photo collage and paste it in and it gives me a nice visual reminder of the fun I have each week. Oh, I love this. Such a fun tip. And she actually sent some pictures of her collages and they're adorable. Now, I will say everybody has permission to have blank pages in their planner. You're absolutely allowed. But if they don't make you happy, then it's also okay to cover them up. So I love this. All right. Pro tip number two, Oh, no, I don't have the name on hand, but I'll put it in the show notes. I'm so sorry. But she writes, this isn't a suggestion for a pen, but a solution for the friction pens, which I love, but are definitely smudgy. So I use good old-fashioned blotting paper. I bought mine in an amazing Pepeterie in Quimper, France. Sorry, I don't actually speak great French, so that accent's not great. But she writes, one packet has lasted me eight years so far. In fairness, the current piece looks like it's due for replacement, but it also works as a page keeper. So maybe I do need to delve into the wide world of blotting paper. I've always felt like they're for people who use like actual ink pens, and I don't. But that might be something to check out in the future. All right. We have, I believe, one more question that we're going to include in this episode, which is getting a little bit long. Here we go. This is a biggie. All right. Hi, Sarah. I so enjoy all the topics you cover on Best Laid Plans and Best of Both Worlds. I was thinking during one of the Best of Both Worlds listener questions, do you think there's a gender bias in planning, wherein women are encouraged to embrace and be involved in planning and planners and men are not, or it's viewed as a feminine trait? I know many women who are into planning, whether it be digital, hard copy, etc. Planning doesn't seem to be an inherently feminine skill, but it seems like women frequently are the ones to handle that in their household. Fun fact, until we had a child, my husband never used a calendar. He now shares a family calendar so we can keep pickups, doctor's appointments, family vacation straight, but he mostly still refers to it rather than runs it. It also goes back further. I think my nephew was in college and I put together a care package with office supplies, candy, cash. I was gunning for that favorite aunt position and I tried to find a new planner. It was all flowers, planners with you go girl on them and other designs that would likely not be welcomed by many male identifying young adults. This is just generally a discussion of why do we think this is? How can we encourage the skill in our husbands, sons, coworkers, etc.? I love this question because I think it's multifaceted. And it is certainly something I have noticed myself. I know my listener base is primarily women. I wish more men listened because I believe my techniques apply to both genders equally. And in fact, probably more females have been practicing planning all their lives. So some of this material might be more useful for the men out there. I do think it's great that there are other creators that talk a lot about planning and productivity. Like Cal Newport comes to mind. But I have noticed the kind of planning world and planner space definitely seems to be more female dominated. And even though I never specified a gender for like who can register for Best Laid Plans Academy, I don't have any men that have signed up thus far. I am hoping in the future, maybe I will put together some kind of program for couples to complete together, because I think to some extent men would really benefit from seeing the work that their partners do in the planning space. But right now, this kind of is where we are. So first of all, I also want to note that this is probably a little bit of a U.S. thing just because I've seen so much like advertising and artwork for Hobonichi that shows so many male use examples that I'm not sure if the idea of using a paper planner or a decorative planner is completely feminine worldwide. It may just be in the United States. And I'd be interested on how this is in other countries as well. So if there's listeners in other countries where planning is a little bit more divided equally between the genders or where there are many men that use agendas or planners, I would love to know about them. I also hear you say, fun fact, until we had a child, my husband never used a calendar. Okay. So not to be negative and not to like be tough about this, but I do call that planning privilege. I believe men don't have a calendar because they essentially have a secretary or partner running the show. And that itself is a bit of a privilege They don't need it because they assume that you will do it subconsciously or not. It does take work and effort to do that planning, just like other household labor that is often undervalued. And I think that denying it entirely or saying that it's unnecessary is one way in which I don't want to say we get exploited, but just a way in which our labor and work might go unrecognized. So I think it's actually important that both partners, especially if there's a family being run together, have some awareness of what the calendar looks like and the work it does to maintain it as well as keep the household running. And then finally, I guess I will mention that there are some planner products that are more gender neutral, since you mentioned that about your nephew. And these do tend to be like not necessarily American products. I feel like I see them a lot in the Japanese or Asian spaces. For example, Hobonichi can be very gender neutral and they have plain black you know, leather covers and other covers that certainly lean more masculine, or look at like the Take a Note planner, totally neutral. And then there's other planners that are geared more towards executives that also have a very neutral look. These might be like full focus, although I feel like they have a line that's a little bit more feminine. I like that they never, you know, explicitly say this one's for men, this one's for women. It's whichever aesthetic appeals to whoever. And then Planner Pad is a good example of one where, you know, it's just neutral, like there's solid covers and it's not the most exciting looking inside necessarily, but it's not specifically feminine. Hemlock and Oak is pretty gender neutral, appointed. There's some really solid colors. So the planners that are a little bit more minimalist, I feel like don't lean so feminine. So that might be a great option for your nephew. All right. I've been talking for a long time and I, I have not answered every question I have. There's some other great ones in here, but I'm going to save them for the future. There will be more Q&A episodes to come. And... Yeah, I hope you're having a wonderful month if you have today off because this is a holiday in the US and it's also my son's birthday. So I'll be celebrating with him today as this airs. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your month. February goes so quickly. We're already gearing up for March. As I record this, there are only four slots left in the spring BLPA, so probably by the time this airs, those will be gone, but never fear, I'm thinking of some new and different things for the summer, and as I keep teasing, I promise soon I will have dates for the live Best Laid Plans Academy retreat that's going to be in November in South Florida, so stay tuned for that. I probably should create some kind of wait list for that, but I will let all newsletter subscribers know. So if you want to be among the first to find out about that, just make sure you subscribe to my newsletter. There is a link for how to subscribe in the show notes of the episode so you can join the newsletter that way. All right, I will be back next Monday with more planning fun. I hope you enjoy the rest of your February. And I guess we have one more episode this month, but man, it's going fast. So have a wonderful week. Enjoy planning and have a great day.